When you think of Pepperdine, what do you think of? For a lot of people, it's probably the views. Right now, with LA and the rest of the country being shut down, that view is probably as unobstructed as ever. There's pictures online that show no pollution in the LA skyline, and that's baffling to me. I'm a senior. I've been in Malibu every year for the last four years, and I've never seen the sky clear, except for maybe after the Woolsey fire. Our digital editor and frequent guest on the show, Kai Wong, did a story for us about the scene at Pepperdine now that the campus is no longer inhabited by its 3,340 students, not including the grad schools. Okay, I am recording now. Okay. Hi, Caillou. Hey. Um, <laughs> what was I going to say? <laughs> this is just funny. Where are you? Where, Hi, James. Can you tell me where you're calling from? I'm calling from my bedroom in Alhambra, California, in L.A. Nice. This was after California Governor Gavin Newsom mandated that statewide stay-at-home order. And so because of that, the university closed everything basically on campus besides the CAF. So all the bookstore, the library, because of those changes, I just wanted to go and see what campus is like now because, you know, without all these spaces open, people who are still there, how is it living on this empty ghost town? Um, and so I wrote the story with one of our news assistants, Vernie. Um, and Vernie lives in the Stinkies, so she has a commuter pass. And um, we were very nervous that we wouldn't go in, be able to go in with her car. So we just went and carpooled into my car because I have one of the resident passes. And they just, they were like, the DPS guard was like, do you live here on campus still? And I was like, uh, yeah. <laughs> and that's why they let me in. So you lied? I was just afraid. Well, he was like, you're a residential student. And I was like, yep. Yeah, you bluffed. You bluffed. <laughs> yeah, because I, I just was like, I don't know if they, if I told them that I wanted to go onto campus. <laughs> we were on campus for about like 90 minutes to maybe two hours. And we probably only saw seven people there. Jeez. And most of those seven people that we saw were construction workers who were kind of doing maintenance on campus, like barely any students, maybe three or so. Um, and that makes sense. Like who would be on main campus if the library is closed? At that time that we were there, it was around two, three o'clock. The calf wasn't open yet for dinner. Mm -hmm. It had closed for lunch. So everything was just so empty. And so it just, it was quite eerie for us. And we really wanted to talk to someone who was still living. I'm James Moore and welcome to The Graph from Pepperdine Graphic Media. Today, we listen to how campus got emptied out in a matter of days, the stories of students returning home, and the tough decision for those who stayed. It's Monday, April 6th. Any college grad will tell you that moving out of a dorm is a stressful process. But even normally, you have some time to make it easier on yourself in the weeks leading up to the end of the school year. But this year, that process was condensed to just five days. Kai lived on campus and George Page, so she understands as well as anybody what the urgency of moving out was like. And I just remember like feeling as I was packing that I never really processed the whole idea of like we have to leave now until I got home. And so that was something I wanted to ask Pepperdine students of how they felt during those five days that we were given to move out and to pack up everything, how those moments felt, because I think in the moment 
None of us really processed it. For me, living in LA, it wasn't that hard because I just moved everything in my car and my parents came, but I really want to talk to more of like out-of-state students and international students. Um, and one common thread that I found between the people that I talked to was that after the email went out, we learned that we were going remote. So many of them, they just instantly were like, we just need to make a plan now. So it just was like fight or flight mode. And everyone that I talked to said that in the moment, they just felt they were such in limbo that they couldn't really do anything but think about how to go home. And with that came the stress of, will I be able to find a flight right now? Where am I going to put all my stuff? Um, am I going to be able to say goodbye to everyone? And on top of that, so we got the email on Wednesday, that Thursday and Friday, we still had tests and classes. And so a lot of them also felt like that didn't help at all because having to still do schoolwork with trying to figure out how to buy a flight and pack up everything was just really intense. While Caillou reported on this story, she didn't actually get a chance to go down to the dorms and witness the scene. She was too busy packing herself. But our photo editor, Milan Loyakono, took photos of move out day for Caillou's story. What was sort of the scene, I guess, walk me through uh, why you went down to main campus and sort of took pictures of people moving out of the dorms and what that scene was like. Yeah, I took two different sets of pictures. So the first set of pictures that I took was actually on Wednesday morning when the email went out. Um, I woke up basically to the email right away and to a call from our uh, managing editor of the newspaper, Maddie Carr, and then also to a text from you, from our news editor, asking to go get photos of people reacting. So the first set of photos was a little bit more raw, partially because I was also dealing with the news, especially as a second semester senior, dealing with myself having to figure out if I was going to be moving out because I live off campus. Mm -hmm. And then the second set of pictures I took was Friday afternoon-ish, um, when most freshmen were moving out by that point, because we had class Thursday, Friday, and then a lot of people were moving out that afternoon. Mm. So that was a bit of a different atmosphere, I would say, because a lot of people had things to do. And so they weren't just thinking about everything going on. They had a lot of decisions they had to make and a lot of practical things they could do. So most of the freshmen I saw were just with their parents loading boxes into cars, U-Hauls, or packing suitcases. Um, they had the classic big dumpsters outside that they usually have at the end of the year when people are moving out to throw out all of the mm -hmm. assorted things they no longer want or can't fit in their suitcases going back home. Um, but the one major difference was that I went into a senior who was living on, on campus as a SLAR, as an SLA roommate for one of the freshman dorms. And so I went into her room and I was sitting with her while she was packing and kind of one by one, a lot of other seniors filed in. Um, and that was a much different mood because everyone had started kind of, the reality had begun to set in that a lot of us weren't going to be coming back and weren't going to be seeing these people all together in one place, maybe ever again. And so that was definitely much more somber. So even though she was packing and we could help with the packing, um, it was a different atmosphere because it was a it was a bigger adjustment, realizing that we we're mostly there to see each other for what may be the last time, as opposed to just an immediate need to pack. I guess as a photographer sort of documenting it, um, was there anything I get like any sites that you saw, I guess, or anything that like an image that really kind of like stuck out to you, um, from all of this? I did think it was rather poetic that the Friday everyone was moving out when I was taking those photos was not only Friday the 13th, but storming. So what I really liked was 
in a photographer way, in an aesthetic way, I guess. What I liked <laughs> was walking up dorm row and seeing the cars all parked along it and seeing people kind of packing stuff together and hugging people. And in the background, you just have these looming dark gray storm clouds coming up over campus. And so it felt like it was kind of fitting. You know, my family jokes a lot about the virus weather. Like it feels more fitting to have storms and rain when you have to be inside anyway. So it just seemed like the storm was coming over the hills. Uh -huh. So it wasn't quite raining yet, but um, in a way it seemed like mother nature was kind of echoing what was going on on campus. So it was really interesting to try to figure out how to play with that, how to bring that into a photo. Initially, the university let people apply for an exemption on the move out policy. They received over a thousand applications. Last week, our reporter Kyle McCabe covered the story of how the university went about evaluating those applications. And how is like reporting from home? It's almost harder to do. It's usually a little easier to be able to go talk to people in person when you need to interview them. And when you're at home and you can't even go outside or anything for most of the day, it's uh, harder to even get yourself motivated to like ask people to be interviewed. So I'd say it's even harder, but uh, we're getting it done. Yeah, there's a lethargy involved. Okay, so you did a story about how they decided to give exemptions or not. Could you say just sort of what the main criteria were? So to find out about reasons people got their applications approved, mm -hmm. um, I emailed back and forth with Robin Gore in HRL, and she told me that students were approved for additional time if they needed to get arrangements for off-campus housing or figure out their travel. Um, she said international students were a big group that got extra time or permission to stay on campus the rest of the semester. She also listed students with uh, homes that were unsafe to return to or students that had no home. Then there was students that needed to complete counseling hours in the Malibu area, um, which got canceled mm -hmm. after the safe at home order came out. Um, and then student athletes were given more time, but then the NCAA canceled all winter mm -hmm. and spring championships um, and Pepperdine canceled all of their athletics. So that, um, that didn't end up happening. Was there any big surprises, I guess, uh, from the interviewing page and sort of finding out more about the process or was it pretty much what you thought it was going to be? The biggest surprise was probably that the RAs that are on campus aren't there just because they're RAs. They didn't uh, accept on-campus student employment as a reason to stay on campus. And, yeah. And didn't we hear like that? Our, I don't know. I don't remember if you covered this, but um, that like RAs were originally told they were going to have the whole time to stay and then it slowly got cut back and cut back. I think that that was kind of like a rumor that went around because I think a lot of RAs wanted to stay as long as possible. What they were told the Wednesday that the school announced we were moving to online classes. HRL had a meeting with all of the RAs, all of the SLAs. And in that meeting, they were told that they would at least be able to stay a day longer than everyone else. So everybody had to move out by Sunday but if you were in HRL, you had to move out by Monday. That way you had some extra time to figure out your stuff, figure out <laughs> everything that you needed to figure out right? Um, so you could help your residents move. Um, 
Okay, is there anything else you think I would need to know in terms of all this? One of the uh, interesting things that I learned from my emails with Robin Gore was that there was so much concern from graduating seniors about having to leave (laughs) that at least at first they were going to consider allowing students to stay on campus just because they're graduating seniors, or at least that's what it sounded like. She told me that it was a distinguishing characteristic that they looked at on applications, whether or not the student was a graduating senior. But as they were going through the applications, I guess they decided that being a graduating senior wasn't a good enough reason to stay on campus. Before this all happened, 917 Seaver students lived off campus. What did that process look like for them? That was my story I did last week. That after the break. My name is Gianni Coquella, and I serve as PGM's uh, Pixel editor. The Pixel is PGM's weekly newsletter where we send out highlights about our top stories and upcoming events and other relevant newsworthy information. Essentially what I do every week is I try to keep in touch with all the stories that are coming through at Pepperdine and even kind of around the world too. I mean, I try to make sure that I'm covering things that are really important nationally, internationally, and at Pepperdine so that when I do write the Pixel, people are able to get a glimpse in what's going on both here here on campus and in our community, but also around the world. You can find the Pixel on the Pepperdine Graphic website. Last week, I did a piece about what happened to off-campus students after Pepperdine moved to remote classes. Some people who live far out of state, like India Ingersoll, who's from D.C., opted to go home once they realized the magnitude of the situation. I was was a little late to... um, realized how serious this was. I thought it was, you know, being blown out of proportion. And so at first I was like, you know, I'm just going to stay in Malibu. This will be great. I could sleep in. I could, you know, get all my work done in my house. This is going to be awesome. And then as it got more serious and realized that that was probably the best decision they had to make, very quickly, I mean, about two days later, I thought, okay, I'm going to go home because all of my friends are from California for the most part. So they kind of have the Not that it's better, but they can drive home at least. And my thought process was just, if everything gets shut down for who knows how long, and I live, you know, a five-hour plane ride away, I'd probably like to deal with this in my own house with my family and not, and you mean, Malibu's isolated enough as nice as it is, um, but if everything was going to shut down, I didn't want to be, one, in Malibu, where you're pretty far from things, and two... Just, yeah, away from my family. An interesting story that came out of my reporting was this little colony of Pepperdine students living at Calamigos Ranch through the quarantine. At Calamigos, for people who don't know, there's a house of about 20 of us. This is Brittany Bryant, a senior. Um, And then there's a couple other houses. We opened up some of the cabins and other like sleeping areas for people to move in if they were displaced from campus. So we have like about 25 people just kind of cohabitating in the same area. Things started to get more serious with the like quarantine law and the safer at home protocol and all of that. I realized that the fact that none of us were sick yet was extremely lucky and we couldn't just continue to run on that luck. 
like if one person was quarantining in the house, but then they were being exposed and sharing a kitchen with someone who had just gone surfing with some people and not kept six feet apart, then like that quarantine was for nothing. And it's important that no one in the group get infected. A student who lives there, Jordan Stratton, is at higher risk of having complications if he contracts the disease. For me, it's just like I I have to be even more aware of it because since I'm a type 1 diabetic, um, the fatality rate for uh, coronavirus goes up with any sort of like autoimmune disease. Jordan initially considered going home to Orange, California, but after the students enacted some guidelines for each other, he actually felt safer staying put. Um, Just on Sunday evening, we had to have a full house, well, a whole ranch meeting actually. Um, to discuss like ground rules that we were going to be setting going forward, like outside of any like government regulations or like what was put in place by Calmigos, just so that we would know and just have like a standard for what is okay, what's not okay in terms of social interaction, um, doing stuff off the ranch, etc. Brittany was one of the people who spearheaded these rules. And so like I heard that you were sort of one of the ones who kind of set guidelines, I guess, <laughs> for people who are staying in Calamigos. Uh, what what sort of were you thinking? What concerns did you have? Um, and how did you try to mitigate those concerns? Yeah. So uh, with that in mind, I asked if everyone wanted to have a meeting to just like lay down guidelines that we were all OK with and figure out what is a good compromise for us all so we don't feel like our freedom is being super restricted, but also it isn't, you know, unfair for anyone to be quarantining and then feel like that was all for nothing. Did you ever consider going home? I think if we hadn't had, like, guidelines and people were on the same page about, you know, quarantining themselves and not going out in public, if that wasn't the case, then I think I might have to consider it just because I think I have an ethical obligation to not expose other people to this. Um, and so I'd want to be in an environment where I could minimize that. But uh, that would mean like driving and not really getting out of the car. So I don't expose people when I'm traveling either. So it'd definitely be difficult. And that's why I'm very grateful that that isn't the case. Yeah. But the reason Brittany decided to stay was because she was worried about bringing the disease back to her family. My original like hesitation with going back home was my mom um, has some medical complications. And so I definitely weighed that I would like to be with my family. But also knowing that like being around a bunch of 20 year olds um, and staying healthy here and minimizing traveling is probably safer. So. Mm -hmm. Right, right. And then with your like parents at home and the concern for your mom, uh, do you think that you still would have found a way to stay in California if you were on campus and you had to leave? Like, cause that would be sort of a tricky scenario. I imagine some people are having to deal with that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I really feel for those people. We have a few friends who, uh, are kind of still stuck on campus and trying to figure out what to do because they live in New York and North Carolina. Um, so they also can't very easily get home. Um, I would honestly, if I was on campus, I'd try to move in to Calamigos. Mm-hmm. Um, that's just because I have a lot of friends out here and I know the landlord and how generous he is. Um, but I would still try to try to stay in California just because I would want to mitigate the risk of traveling and exposing, you know, my family and my parents. They're not like old, but they're definitely older. And so, it, yeah, that's just yeah. how I feel about it. I know everyone's situation is different, but...
Another possibly more important consideration for off-campus students was rent. Malibu real estate is not cheap, even if you're sharing a house with 20 other people. Part of it was kind of decided for me in that um, my lease was non-refundable and I paid uh, up front at the beginning of the semester. Um, so obviously, like I could have gone home, but I would have just like lost the the money that I had spent for the lease. And uh, and most of my friends were staying um, going to be staying at the house, a lot of them being seniors. So. Um, I decided to stick around just because there's a good chance that I'm not going to be able to see a lot of them again. Um, so getting to spend some extra time with them and also just like being here, having activities to do, having people to be with. It's a lot better for my mental health than just sitting alone at home and trying to, you know, crank out online classes and filling my hours of new free time with who knows what. What Jordan just described sounds exactly like what I've been doing for the last four weeks. I have to admit, listening to all these stories from the big house. Um, we have like yoga sessions that we do, I think like three times a week. We put up a slack line in the backyard. Um, we have like different game nights and movie nights. We watched Lady Bird yesterday. Oh, wow. Um, Good movie. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, I got a little bit jealous, especially as a senior. I talked to Brittany about that. But it seems like your situation would be more um, helpful for that, finding a little bit of closure because you have some of your friends that you've, you know, spent the last four years with around and everything. Can you sort of speak to that? It's still difficult because I think all of us have friends outside of this community that we wish we could spend time with and, you know, hang out with. But it, it's really not realistic. And I'm trying to focus instead on just how fortunate we are to have the friends that we have here instead of, you know, being shipped off to all these different states and having to FaceTime and that being our senior goodbye. So mm -hmm. um, I think it is just, you know, a super fortunate circumstance to be in during all of this craziness. But uh, people are still really sad here. So mm -hmm. um, there's a little bit of both. Yeah. I'm trying to focus on the positive, but I also definitely understand um we have a lot of people with significant others who don't live here that they haven't been able to see or really close friends who are not in, you know, the best situations. And so right. that's also rough. Right. That's all for today. I'm James Moore. See you next time. Kayla Mendez is PGM's podcast manager. Cameron Gordon is our production manager. Robbie McMurray is our technical supervisor. Maddie Carr is our managing editor, and our executive editor is Chana Steinmetz. Our theme song is written by Jeremy Zerbe. Our logo is designed by Natalie Rulon. Elizabeth Smith and Courtney Stallings are the PGM advisors. This episode was recorded in the... Mm, I have upgraded from a closet to a foam box that I've made, and I, I still have a blanket over my head, so... There you go. And the graph is a Pepperdine Graphic Media production.